negative with how they did it. It was crazy. So we just now went live. So we may have to restart that. <laughs> so hey, it is uh the Roundtable Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to another edition of uh I guess this will be Friday night mayhem, uh, since we're not doing Monday night mayhem, because uh, it's not Monday. <clears throat> this is your boy Chemical Julian, and I am being joined by the Jameis, joining us from BodySlam.net. And uh, we've got the mystery man with no camera on, the franchise player Bad Blood, who is on the road tonight. You know what he is? Background. It's just a logo of a of a vacant person that means he's a current mlb player <laughs> I, I i thought you were gonna say he was um uh from the uh from the old wwe um game called vacant but uh no right now with the lockout they had to take all the likeness off the website so it's just the same still of just a shadowy figure for every player's picture on mlb's website he could be like, Jose Canseco for all we know. Taiwan Walker <laughs> changed his profile pic to reflect that he's the mystery man. So many other guys did too. Mostly pitchers around the league. That is great. That is phenomenal. <laughs> A bunch of mystery men playing for the MLB. I like that. Oh, man. So we were saying tonight we're doing... Oh, we two. It's now. a double feature. Tonight we're doing our, our review of, uh, well, our usual Friday night show where we review SmackDown and Rampage. Um, SmackDown was, sorry, uh, Rampage was taped this week, I do believe. After, it was. After Dynamite. And the editing and, is very, was a lot weirder than usual, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Yeah, but we still very clearly saw the injury of Jake Atlas yeah. um, on the show. Um Get well, Jake. It was Atlas. a slingshot spot from what I gathered. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he jumped off the top rope, he landed and tweaked his knee and just went down. Yeah. Um, so what we're saying about SmackDown, um, lackluster show, in my humble opinion. Very um it had its it had more low spots and high spots. I am even its high spots were rather low for me because Mickey James, which we'll get into, should have been a high spot, but it was a low spot for many reasons, again, which we'll probably get into. Yeah, so let's start at the top of the show. So kicking off SmackDown, we had the confrontation that everybody was waiting for, and that was Roman Reigns, your tribal chief, getting to confront Brock Lesnar. The needle mover. Very important detail. The needle mover. He had on the needle mover t-shirt tonight. So Roman Reigns is in the center of the ring. He's got on his needle mover t-shirt and out comes Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. Um, Brock is getting better on the mic. He's showing a lot more personality. He did his own intro and everything. Um, and then I Paul really Heyman, enjoyed that. Oh, dude, it was great. That was and great. when it comes to Lesnar on the microphone, I'm not sure that he was ever bad on the mic because if you go back to his... 2003 face run he's actually really strong on the mic yeah. it's just paul Heyman always brought the package together because Heyman knew how to advertise which luster wasn't great at and luster's voice uh, coming out of that body isn't always the scariest thing in the world so you kind of want to keep the visual and the package which is why Heyman always added so much to the character as a bad guy 
Yeah, dude, and that's also why um, MVP brought so much to uh, to Bobby uh, Lashley. Bobby Lashley, um, because even on Raw, when Bobby Lashley said something like "Brock Lesnar fears Lashley," Lashley's the way he speaks because of his voice. It was just like mm, I'm not buying it. Do you remember 2006 when on SmackDown when he's cutting a promo on Finley? Yeah, yeah. That is, I have never forgotten that. And I will never forget that. Well, dude, it, it's it's just like the whole thing when they did the whole uh, Bobby Lashley loves his sisters promos. Ooh, those that Sammy Zayn yeah. should have been great was, with the talent just, involved, and then they creative killed it. Yeah, it one was of just, those sisters like was wasn't one of those sisters. Uh, one of the, AEW guys. You know what? I I kind of put that part of the promo out of my memory when they brought in his sisters that were like dudes dressed up. Yeah, I I kind of uh I kind of just excused that part of it. So, um, your boy the tribal chief, the head of the tables in the ring. Out comes Lesnar. Out comes Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman gets a little diarrhea of the mouth talking about how uh, he loved the tribal chief. He gave him his best. And I just turned on him. And Brock is like, we continue, Before we go no. so far away from the last year thing. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say one of the acclaimed guys, and I was right. Because listen, Bobby Lashley's sister was Platinum Max we need to post that later on tonight. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> For sure. As a reminder to everybody, the whole, the forbidden door has been open for quite some time. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, you know, Lesnar tells Roman to acknowledge him and says, hey, let's go title for title. Roman's like, nah, not going to do it. It's not my idea. I ain't doing it. Do you know what I was thinking of the entire time I was watching this segment? What? When I was on Monday, Bad Blood mentioned that he thought they were that he's been calling a title unification match. Correct. And that was the first time I really went, he's probably right. And then they hit me later on in the show when Charlotte announced that she's in the Rumble, which we'll get to. Yep. That's setting up her versus Becky. So I wonder if they're ending the brand split and unifying the titles. Now, neither Lesnar nor Reigns or Lesnar Reigns or Becky Charlotte need to be done again. So it's kind Correct. of underwhelming for Mania. But I, I can see them going that see, direction. The last thing we need to see is Charlotte dominating the entire roster. <laughs> You know, it's just it's it's really it's really getting. It ran its course five years ago. Yeah, and for her to dominate the entire roster as champion, and then go on to try and face Becky, that oh my gosh, that would be just way too much. But it's been way too much for Charlotte heel, for a long time. A heel, that's not her fault, heel. but. But she's it a healer, and that's, that's a way to make her get heat and a way to hate her. So the segment ends with uh, Roman 
Superman punching Brock Lesnar and leave, leaving Lane in the ring, and then Roman rolls out. I thought this was a very good segment. Um, yep. I've been on the record multiple times saying that my issue with the Roman Reigns story is that too often, and this isn't necessarily Roman Reigns' fault. It's not Paul Heyman's fault. They both do great job with what they're given. But it's WWE's fault for having too much TV time and not spreading it around to everybody. Correct. Roman falls into the trap of doing the same segment every week for two years. He's fallen into that trap for me. For me, this was a refreshing change of pace because yep. it changed the Heyman-Roman dynamic that it's gotten yeah. so overdone. And I, th- and I really enjoyed that change of dynamic. And I'm sure they're going to overdo it in the future, but for now, it's a refreshing change of pace. And I really enjoyed that segment for what it was. It wasn't yeah, my favorite so, thing in the world, but I enjoyed so, it for what it was. So this episode, instead of punking uh, Paul Heyman, he went back to punking the Raw GM um, to find Adam him a Adam Pierce to find him an opponent for the Royal Rumble. And we'll get to that at the end of the show. I didn't like the choice, and I'll explain why at the end of the show. Um, actually, I like the choice, and here's why. Okay, it's actually for WWE. It's long form storytelling. Um, for everybody else, for anybody, but, but it's only like when did the brand split happen? Three months ago. Twenty uh, sixteen is when the brand split happened. Or, I mean, um, the, 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 the draft the was uh, three months ago, give or take. Yeah, so right before the draft, you know, some things went down on SmackDown, and um, this is just kind of bringing a full circle. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I agree in that sense because one of my major issues with Roman, uh, Cesaro, for example, Balor's a big example. Is every time they every every feud is left open ended and they never go back to it and everybody goes right back on the card and the character hasn't elevated anybody. So in that sense, I agree. It's nice that they're finally going back to something. Yeah. I'm just not big on the heel versus heel dynamic. And I'm not big on the Raw superstar coming and challenging for the SmackDown title when the SmackDown superstar is already champion anyway. It just kind of. It's, it's too wonky for me. It's kind of like a flip-flop, but... Yeah. Speaking of flip-flops, if you want to support the website, if you want to support the podcast, be sure to swing on over. Be a body slammer. Come on over and support all the pro wrestling news and MMA-related content that you can shake a stick at at www.slamchats.com and support bodyslam.net and the Roundtable Pro Wrestling Podcast. And as well, you can buy your body, bodyslam.net t-shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees. There's a lot of really fun ones. Nice. Um, there's one logo one, and then there's one that's just big if true, source of funny little quotes. and It's another way to support us. So if you want to keep on getting the best of news, rumors, reviews, your Monday Night Mayhem, your Wednesday night SmackDown, your Friday night destruction. Support us. Great writing from writers like me. Yeah, yeah. Keep the writers employed. Keep the lights on. Keep the internet's going. Keep the Wi-Fi on. Uh, keep a uh, gas in people's tanks so they can get to shows. So they can 
you know, even buy some bargain basement tickets and report from the t- from the top of the rafters and going over to www.slamchats.com and support your boys. Now, warning, ladies and gentlemen, we have just covered the best part of the show for SmackDown tonight. This is how it goes. It goes downhill from here. And <sighs> so when the show starts, you see Shinsuke Nakamura, you see Rick Boogs, and you hear them talking about Sami Zayn. So you're like, oh shit, they're going to defend the title, the IC title. And I put up a, a poll days ago that said, what's going to happen first? Are we going to get an IC title defense? Is Veer going to come to Raw? Or is Alexa Bliss going to come back to Raw first? <laughs> well, guess what didn't happen? Two things didn't happen this week. Veer didn't show up. And the IC title did not get defended. So, we're not getting an IC title defense here. We're getting Rick Boogs versus Sami Zayn. Even though Sami Zayn won the 12 Days of Christmas gauntlet match for a shot at the IC title. He's fighting Rick Boogs. I don't know why. And he lost. So... Before we go to, before I hit on that, I want to throw out two facts. The Intercontinental Championship has not been defended on pay-per-view since Apollo Crews defeated Big E at last year's WrestleMania. Okay. And Apollo Crews has been in the last two inter-televised Intercontinental Championship matches. And Shinsuke has been champion for 148 days, meaning he's only defended the belt once. One time. And the last 150 days, the last five months. Yes, yeah, so, uh, we have our stat guy, Shane, keep an eye on this for us. And How's Shane doing? Shane's doing great, man. He's uh, probably at home catching up with all the numbers for the show tonight. Ask him yeah. how long it's been since Avir Mahad has been on television. Jeez. So, so Rick Boogs, he's supposed to be getting a singles push. I get it. And he's actually a pretty good wrestler. Strong guy, big yeah. dude. That uh, that uh, vertical suplex he did from one knee was a really yeah. nice spot. That was a really cool spot. Yeah, it was a really good spot. And, and so I don't have a problem with the spots or, or with the Rick Boogs wrestling, but it's just that. Sammy's next step was supposed to be the challenge for the IC title, and that did not happen. This is really choppy storytelling. And actually what this was, was a setup for Johnny Knoxville to announce his entry into the Royal Rumble and to come in and throw Sami Zayn over the top ropes after he lost, which qualified him for the Royal Rumble. The last thing I said was, I really like the spots in the match. The key word in that sentence is in. Because after the match, I took issue with the Johnny Knoxville thing. Um, I think it's very tone deaf to bring in a a C list at best in 2022. Celebrity. To fill up a Rumble match after you released 86 superstars in the last calendar year. Oh, shit. But... All of that aside, all of the business aspect aside, I don't necessarily 
hate celebrities coming in for stuff like this because uh, it's harmless. And I really enjoyed the Drew Carey spot on one. Oh, I know I'm in the minority. Oh. I enjoy that spot. Oh. I think it's hilarious. Dude, I was just about to say anything was better than Drew Carey. <laughs> um, it, I, at least Pete Rose getting tombstoned by Kane repeatedly was highly entertaining. The sneak face was the most entertaining part yeah. uh 2000. Um if you want to know the most entertaining part was Pete Rose's promo on Boston. Um, My buddy Bucky Dent says hello. (laughs) Um, If if you want to see a segment that really drags out too long, uh, go back to WrestleMania, I think five, and watch Roddy Piper and Morton Downey Jr. Mr. Downey, and then he sprays him with the fire extinguisher. That thing dragged out. But anyway, I I digress. But Um, so I'm. I don't, I don't necessarily hate. I think it's stupid, but I'm not going to let it. I don't have the energy to kvetch about uh, Johnny Knoxville. I guess yeah, correct. Where I'm at, but something like that would have been better suited for somebody like Austin Theory, who you've kind of set up to be. I think Austin Theory's taking the stunner at Mania. By the way, I think he's gonna get. I think he's gonna do that. You know how Austin throws the guy a beer. And then he yeah. stuns him mid sip. I think he's gonna stun Theory mid selfie. That'd be great. And so I think they're kind of setting Theory up for that kind of role before they establish him more. Yeah. I think you could have done that spot with Theory. Like imagine Raw him trying to prove he has to qualify and throwing out Theory mid selfie while <laughs> his focus is off. I feel that's a spot that would have been better for Austin Theory as opposed to a guy you're trying to build up to the Intercontinental Championship. Dude, whatever the payoff is here, I hope Zam- I hope Sami Zayn just gets paid in full. I hope I hope that I hope Sami Zayn goes with the idea we were discussing Monday. <laughs> yeah, man. Sami Zayn's gonna come in at number fifteen and number thirty. Should come in at number one, run the gauntlet. Turn babyface, proving that there was an actual conspiracy, and beat Roman Reigns, but they won't do that. Um, actually, we were saying that what'll happen is uh, he'll come in and get eliminated, and then and then El Generico wins. Coming as El Generico, that'd be fantastic. Hey, so um, <laughs> the next spot on SmackDown, ladies and gentlemen, check this out. We got announced a number of women who will be participating in the nineteen. In the women's we have Rhea Ripley, Nikki A.S.H., the Bella Twins, yay, Shotzi, Natalia, <laughs> Michelle McCool, Dana Brooke, Carmella, Queen Zelina, Mickey James, be right back, Tamina, Kelly Kelly, Aaliyah, Summer Rae, where the hell has she been, <laughs> Naomi, Shayna Baszler, and Lita. Okay. Mickey First thing James, I want to say. Mickey James, Go ahead. I made a joke like a week ago when somebody was asking me if they had enough. Well, I asked somebody if they had enough women for the Rumble, and we were kind of spitballing no. potential answers. I said that uh, Brie Bella was going to win the Rumble, and now I'm very scared that I spoke it into existence. Remember how we were talking about NXT UK and talking about William Regal? Yeah, bring in the, how, the Nina Samuel show. Remember how we said, hey, keep it on the down low, don't talk about it? 
Now look what William happened. William Regal's gone. Now William Regal's gone. Nina Samuels is still there, though, so I'm happy. A freaking Bella Twin, dude. I mean, I I personally feel like the Bellas were just pushed way too hard. And they I get it. They had their TV show and they had their brand. And, oh, my God, they were just super. Oh, amazing. man. You know they what just hit me? That really weird beef that Summer Rae and Natalia had on Total Divas that never got paid off is about to get paid off in the world. Yeah, Cup. I guess. <laughs> and then, um, so Michelle McCool is I'm very excited about that. wife, right? Yes. I'm a big Michelle McCool fan. Like, she was one of my first favorite women's wrestlers growing up. Yeah. My first favorite was Lita, which we'll get to. Yeah, but yeah. Michelle McCool is one of my favorite women's women's wrestlers of all time, and I think she was a very underrated worker, mm-hmm. very underrated promo. I would love for another Michelle McCool run. I know we're likely not to get one, but I love yeah. that they're trying to bring her back for these spots because this is her second or third rumble, and I'm glad yeah, that she's right. starting to get a little more due because she didn't get the due she deserved during her first during her run. Yeah. And yeah. do you, have you ever heard the story of uh, her of Jericho standing up for her? No. There was Night of Champions 2009. Her and Melina have this banger match. Really good match. Melina's another worker that never got her due. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, but they were told by an unknown or an unconfirmed, unidentified producer heavily rumored and heavily hinted to be Michael Hayes. Okay. Which naturally, um, that uh, they need to tone it down because they're there to be eye candy and the guys can't follow it. And Jericho flat out sat in front of the locker room. If the dudes can't follow the women, the dudes need to get off their ass and get better. Correct. And that was, it was... Michelle McCool tells that story a lot better than I do, obviously, because yeah. I'm very, I'm as second head as you can get. But, yeah, but that that is the truth, though. I mean, pretty she much was a solid worker. Whether whether it's a women's match or a men's match or um, a minis match, <laughs> a mixed tag match, whatever. Max Vinny returned for the Rumble. Yeah, if you, I mean, hell, after the after the WLC match. If you feel bad coming out next, you need to up your game. It, it was a great match. The real match was awesome. You need to up your game. Yeah, but you need to up your game. You just got to say, well, shit, I need to set my game up. Dude, <laughs> do you remember that bump Drew McIntyre took in the WLC match? That was great. Where he, he flipped over with the plancha and El Torito moved, and she just went back first. Dude, they, they sold. I mean, those guys sold so hard in that match. It was hilarious. It was just great. All timer. Yeah. <laughs> so <sighs> Impact Women's Champion Mickey James is coming back for the Royal Rumble. Um, Impact Women's Champion Mickey James, who um repeatedly was fired and had her stuff put in a trash bag. And, and- Pat McAfee mentioned that because he said the knockouts women cha- on te- on live television, the knockout women's champion ha- is about to make people pay for the garbage that happened last time. Yeah. And so, so he took a shot at it. 
But here's the funny thing. So when Mickey James got released the first time, I believe she said that her stuff was given to her in a trash bag. And, and, so was, and so this was like the second time it happened. Yeah. Um, um, it happened to Maria a couple of times too. I think it happened yeah. to Gail Kim in the past, which yeah, Gail, Gail Kim, Kim has a lot of Kim issues the other one. with the company. Yeah. Gail, and so, Gail Kim's the one I will never see returning. <clears throat> but this is one of those things where um, re- I used the word incestuous earlier, but wrestling is just one of these businesses where you never say never. I mean, a paycheck's a paycheck. People will show up. People will do whatever. You know, if, if it means getting exposure, if it means being, getting your 10, 15 minutes, getting your shit in, um, getting a high profile match, being on pay-per-view, being in front of people's eyes. I mean, pe- folks are going to do it. They'll swallow their pride and they'll do whatever they have to do. And hey, you know, and also this whole thing about getting stuff in a garbage bag or whatever, you know, how much of it is being kind of fluffed up just to, you know, hire the fans, just to work the fans up. So you mentioned exposure. I wonder if that's part of it. Like, I wonder if they approached Impact and Impact asked her specifically, would you do this to get the, like if she comes out with the belt on television, that's the biggest exposure Impact could get right now. So I wonder if that's part of it, which if if she uh, does, that means she's winning tomorrow against Deanna. Dude, if WWE, if WWE allowed her to bring her belt out at the Rumble, that would be saying something. Yeah. I mean, for real, that would be saying something. It could also be a makeup for the uh, indiscretion of the garbage bag the second time. Because, hey, we'll give you a nice paycheck if you come in, take Correct. a bump or two. And just get a nice pop. Um, the last time I think they're that desperate for women too. The well, so after all these, even if they used every woman in NXT, they would they would still be like too short. Yeah, they would have been. They still would have been like a couple short. It was it was going to be like real tight. And that's assuming nobody gets injured between now, now the rumble, you know. And but that's also assuming Oscar's not ready, Bailey's not ready, which are probably your surprises, both of them, I Correct. would think. Um, because she still needs some surprise. That's what bothered me about this. Mickey James would have been the second biggest surprise in Rumble history, Correct. because of the circumstances, only behind AJ Styles. Correct. Um, Lita. Uh, even though you use her every year, it would have been a nice pop to hear. Correct. Uh, boy, uh, her theme music, the uh, Love, Fury, Passion, Energy. Yeah. I for, Boy, something. something well, you know I, what? I forget the artist's name, but it doesn't matter. Um, well, you know what? I, I think that the upside for advertising Mickey James this far ahead of the Rumble is that. You get um, people talking about it. Yeah, people are talking about it. Mickey gets to make her rounds on the the interview circuits um, with her women's impact title or knockouts title, um, and she it's it's just exposure, you know. Um, especially now with the way things went, went with Ring of Honor, and you know you're you're really trying to float as many boats as possible, and you know we don't know what the deal is with with Impact right now <clears throat> if they're if they're having a hard time staying afloat. So especially. Um, 
and we know Vince as much stuff as he rightfully gets black for, especially when it comes to some of his competitors. Correct. Um, we know we we have tangible evidence that he helped ECW financially stay afloat in the past. He's not; it's not unprecedented for him to do that. Should that end up being the case? Correct. Um, and at the same time, um, my my personal feeling is that the whole um, AEW Impact thing um, did, did not do as much for Impact as they thought it would. Like, I think it hurt them more than it helped them. I agree. Um, um, I think every partnership AEW has done so far has been a lot more beneficial to AEW than it correct. has. Correct. Um, like, and I don't, it's not Kenny's fault. Kenny was doing what he was told. And I correct. think Christian was probably the right guy for Alexander be- to beat because Christian is an impact guy historically. Correct. Correct. But K- Kenny's belt collector run. She lost to Christian on an AEW show, not even an Impact show. Correct. And then he didn't even drop the AAA title. Oh. Because he got pulled from that show because he was supposed to wrestle Andrade. And it was the Mega Championship, right? That Kenny Omega was champion of for... Oh, that I don't remember. He vacated it in oh. November due to due to his injuries because he was supposed to be defending the title at the Triple Mania. Ooh, but after okay. the uh, page match, he's been taking time off with injuries. And again, this right. isn't his fault because he's been working through injuries to different parts of his body. Like he's Correct. needs the time off. You can tell he's was working hurt. But the new champion is Alhijo Del Vikingo, who defeated Jay Lethal, Bobby Fish, Bandito, and Samurai Del Sol. Um, Samurai Del Sol is Kalisto. And yeah. At the show that Kenny was supposed to defend the belt on. Okay. So the <clears throat> AEW guys that uh, Vikingo defeated were Lethal and Fish. And Lethal had been with AEW for like a week. Gotcha. So it's not like they got the big rub for their young upstart. I don't know if I don't think Vikingo is necessarily an upstart, Interesting. Interesting. but I mean he's only twenty four, so I guess he is. But they start a Yo, little younger. younger. Um, so they they didn't get that rub from Kenny Omega they were expecting. It's not necessarily anybody's fault that he got hurt to the extent mm-hmm. he did, but it didn't happen. So. Triple A truly didn't benefit other than their tag division, which now has FTR, which is a big deal, and yeah. uh, and gives their tag division kind of a nice contract just of styles. But the AEW Forbidden Door hasn't really benefited other companies nearly to the extent it's benefited AEW, which is the company that I'd argue need the needed the publicity the least. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Um, let's jump on back to SmackDown. Um, yeah. So, I've so we've we've got a we got some surprises. Well, not surprises, but we've got some uh, some some um, names coming in off the street, if you will. Oh, speaking of names off the street, you know what? I have two people I now want in this match. Who? 
the first one, just for the, uh, because if I think Oscar's returning and they're grabbing talent from Impact, I want Oscar beating the crap out of Dana Brooke and Emma again. Okay. She did in NXT, so I want I want to know Ashford as a surprise. I think that would be a nice little. And we want Big Swall. That was my big one. I mentioned this before the show. Hey, can your wife do a one-off? Would she be open to that? Because obviously, there's. I don't think Swole would want to. I don't know what Swole wants, obviously. I've never met the person. I've never spoken to her. But she doesn't strike me as a person who wants, necessarily wants a WWE run. But obviously, her family's on good enough terms with the company to bring her in as a one-off since her husband's on Raw. Um, so, dude, I mean, that once would again, be the best petty shot, the subtle shot WWE could ever take was to bring in, is to bring in Big Swole as a one-off. And a well, I, I think for her, I mean, I mean, everyone knows her husband's already there. But, yeah. but um, number one, again, eyeballs, exposure, paycheck. And she's um, a big, got headlines right now. A big pay-per-view event. So, I mean, hell, why not, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, and honestly, if you're working the rumble, you can work three seconds. You can you can work twenty minutes. You you know, depending on how you're booked. But it's yeah. not like uh, you know, no one's asking you to do a Broadway unless you're like Brian Danielson, or yeah, unless you're Sami Zayn or Edge last year. Correct. Somebody you can Correct. do it. Dolph Ziggler gets 45 minutes every rumble because Correct. he's a guy you know can last 45 minutes bell yeah. to bell. And speaking of staying in the rumble, Charlotte Flair announced that as champion, she will be entering the rumble. Um, I don't like it. Nobody wants to see her dominate the roster. I mean, nobody. And I know you... I honestly don't think she's going to win, although I could see them doing it to set up her champion versus champion if they decide to end the brand split. I think she's I think it's gonna be kind of they're gonna go to the Lesnar route, which I think worked because it was Lesnar. I don't think it'd work with Charlotte. You know, I I think it'd be really good if they just had a number of people just team up on her, beat the crap out of her and toss her out on Yeah, you can't have her go through the entire women's division just for just for Shotzi Blackheart to claymore her over the top rope. Because that visual doesn't work unless it's Heyman selling it, Lesnar looking like he's seen a yeah. ghost, and Lesnar being the big monster he is. Like, Correct. no offense to Charlotte, no offense to any woman. None of them are Brock Lesnar in in terms of how they're presented, how their the legacy they've created so far. Maybe you could get away with it if it's Becky Lynch, and that's still a big maybe. Well, dude, I mean, after the whole Tony Storm run, just. Charlotte's, I, I hate to say a burial of people, Charlotte's booking has left a bad taste in my mouth. Charlotte's booking has left a bad taste in my mouth. Especially after the, the Tony Storm run. And, and, but and you mentioned thing, burial. I don't think, unless your name is Asuka, Sasha, Bailey, or Becky. Yeah. Who has she sold for? If you go back, I'm going to throw out some examples. One Rumble, for, for instance. She got a a glam, a glam slam from Beth Phoenix, the most protected female finisher of all time. She's yeah. on her feet within five seconds. Yeah. She doesn't sell for Legends. She barely sold for Trish not. during the SummerSlam match. Look at take a match last year against Peyton Royce. 
She was in the half crab for over a minute and sure she was. did not sell the leg at all. The, the match, the night after Mania 36 against Liv Morgan, she didn't, she didn't sell a single move that Liv Morgan delivered, even though she was giving with the, with the offense. Um, the triple threat match with Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, she oh, takes a riptide from the top rope yep. and gets up immediately. Like she yep. doesn't sell for anybody, and it just constantly buries her opponent in terms of not necessarily winning or losing, but in terms of their offense looks weak every time they do anything because she does not sell. She sells for Becky Lynch, she sells for Sasha Banks, she sells for Oscar. Those are the people she consistently sells for. Because one of the best sell jobs I've ever seen was New Orleans Mania when Oscar works on the arm the entire time and she when she does the figure eight, she only hold she only bridges with one arm. Like Correct. that's a great sell job. That's a tremendous sell job. She does stuff like that for Oscar. She does stuff like that for Becky Lynch. She does stuff like that for Sasha Banks. She does it for her friends. She doesn't do it for anybody else. And for me, <coughs> for Tony Storm, I would see how it's frustrating to work with somebody like that for the women. Which oh, I no, know no, Tony for sure, did. for sure. And especially even the, the out of ring stuff. Um, there there was no regaining of heat, there was no payback, there was no um you know that's a heel issue for WWE in general. I'm not yeah. necessarily going to blame Charlotte for that because that's not well, like fault. I said, and that's why I said that's why I said not Charlotte bearing anybody, yeah. but her book, but her her booking, the way it's booked, because somebody a long time ago could have told her, Hey, you've got to start selling for this person, that person, this person, or yeah. you've got to do a better job putting over these people. But then she comes out to the ring and she talks about how she's the queen and she's better than this person and she does this, this, and this. Yeah, so whoever's that's another her, issue with Charlotte's presentation is regardless of whether she's heel or face, and she's never gotten a face pop even at the face because all of her promos are the same as when she's a heel. Yeah. It's always the same promo. And you can never gain sympathy for that character ever. Oh, yeah, no. Why she struggles as a thing. <clears throat> but it also does not make for good storytelling. It does not make for a good character. And that's how it's written. That's not her fault. She would Again. have she would have to get squashed by like a monster heel Nia Jax or a Shayna Baszler. Like a Piper like, Niven. Like a like a, a just a killing machine Shayna Baszler. Oh Piper Niven doesn't have enough look to be a killing machine for me. But I'm I'm on the right ballpark. I don't ago. know. I don't know. I wouldn't have bought Otis as a killing machine either. But fuck, I sure do now. It's a good point. So Pi- Otis, I think Piper, I think, Pi- I think Piper Niven can do it. I've met um, Otis a few times, and the first time I met him, he lifted me over his head, and I thought he was going to eat me. And Tucker Tucker was like, "Put him down," and Otis is like, "No," and I'm just like, "Okay." I'm gonna be telling this story for years. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's he's looking fantastic. I, I can't wait to see him in the rumble too. Yeah. Um, so the segment led us to Charlotte versus Naomi. Uh, as, I said, as I said, folks, let me remind you, I said it was going downhill. So Charlotte versus Naomi, two great competitors. Naomi did great in the ring, Charlotte did great in the ring. However, yeah. 
this storyline with Sony Deville continues. And every time Naomi started to get a couple steps ahead, Sony Deville would come out and say, oh, it's no DQ. Oh, there's no count out. Oh, you can only win it's by- John It's John it's all over again. It's just, it's just all this, you know, I'm trying to screw Naomi, screw Naomi uh, every time she's about to win. Uh, there's no count out. And then eventually, of course, as you can imagine, Charlotte wins the match. Um, and Sony Deville grabs the mic and says, hey, your loser, as usual, is Naomi and your winner, Charlotte Flair. And so- <clears throat> My issue with this. And dragging on for- so long it's been dragging on for too long and i don't know if they're trying to have this I agree. have these two blow off at mania but that's way too long to drag this out my issue with this is at first the concept was good but like i said with roman they overkill anything that's good because the idea of this is to gain sympathy for naomi that's great naomi is a great baby fist naomi get naomi reaches a certain demographic that adores her, and that's a demographic you need to continue to reach. Naomi's a great person to continue to have in an established spot on television, even if she's may not be necessarily my cup of tea in some of her matches. She's a great worker. She's a fun character. She, has, she stands out. She gets people behind her. She's a good baby face. Naomi deserves more TV time. The issue becomes... When you do this, when the heel, when the babyface makes the same mistake over and over and over again, and I'm going to make a comparison to Becky Lynch in a few seconds, which I, as you notice, I do a lot. Um, you no longer need sympathy because they're stupid. They don't see it coming. It's like in 2016 when Becky Lynch was the most over person on the show, but she was losing every week via the same schoolboy roll-up. Correct. Every single week. She she was proving that she could go, but she would always fall into the same trap over and over and over right. again. And then it's just like you saw it coming. And, and instead of gaining sympathy, you're just like, okay, what's next? You don't want to see it anymore. And I feel like that's – it's not the same thing because it's a character doing it to another character. Yeah. But it's in it's in similar vein to where Naomi should expect Sonia to do this every week. Why does she look surprised when she does it every oh, single week? Oh, no, no. So this this all goes back to what um, to what Becky Lynch told Liv Morgan uh, a couple yeah. of weeks back. Like, you're mad because you didn't think of it first. Like, if you were really in this business to win, you would have seen what I, you would have seen coming what I was going to do to you. Yeah. And so the minute that Sonya Deville said this is a no DQ match, I mean, shit, Naomi should have went outside and grabbed a pair of knucks and just like beat Charlotte yep. Blunt and pinned her. You know, and but, add uh, some character. Show that the character's angry because grabbing a yeah. chair and beating the crap out of Charlotte with a chair and looking at Sonya while you do it would right. add another dimension that the Naomi character's missing, and that's right. a mean streak. But it'll show that Sonya's actually getting under her skin instead of showing that Naomi and kayfabe is just a crybaby right. who can't outsmart naomi had a really great run on her way to the women's title when and, she when she won uh, it Mania, yeah and you know, the letter match and all that and then I great thought, athlete perfect I letter match wrestler. remember coming home from work and turning on smackdown and seeing her on tv and i was like oh man naomi's i was like oh let me see what she has to say 
and she was injured and had to give up the belt. And I was like, yeah. fuck. Because what I remember thinking the time is like, man, she's going to the back of the line and it's going to be you a You know what my run. issue with Naomi is? And this really isn't her fault. Yep. I remember I was, there were two wrestlers and 2015 I was really into for the women. So we actually. Um, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Naomi. And yeah. I was a big team bad fan. And I thought they could have done so much if they hadn't just constantly made everybody, all nine in that, all seven in that program, a backseat to Charlotte and Nikki, which of course they did. Correct. But, and then I remember being heavily invested in Naomi. Heading into that WrestleMania 33 mm-hmm. run, I have not. I, I there is not a wrestler I grown at the sight of more now, character-wise, than Naomi, and that's not her fault. It's the fault of the people in charge of her character. But they have ne- They have Naomi is a great wrestler that I no longer want to see because they have not not given me a reason to care in so long. Well, so here's it's just like, oh, Naomi again. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not an indictment on Naomi, more so an indictment on everything else that the higher ups in the office, stuff like that. You have something that could be so, such a unique thing. And you so don't know what you, you pretty much feel the way about Naomi the way I do about Natalia. And oh no, here's the thing. I think Natalia, and I probably shouldn't <coughs> say this on the record, I think she's the most overrated women's wrestler of all time. Wonderful well, you know person, sweetheart of a person, boring wrestler, never done anything as a so, character entertaining. I think they're both in the same boat in the fact that neither of them have had a memorable feud in quite a while, and they get point. pushed into, into these spots. Like these, it's like, hey, we need someone to, to jump off a ladder. Come in real quick, or we need oh, Natalia. To, we need somebody to look technical. Correct. We need someone to be a heater for one match, but then get their ass kicked. Come on in. Yeah. And after a while, you're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's it's kind of like um, after the her business broke up, when the her business got together, it was like, oh shit, Shelton Benjamin. The TV time that he needs, this guy is fantastic. Yeah. Cedric and similar. And then know. her business breaks up and they're getting beat up by Goldberg, which is to me, that's like just the dregs. Like Goldberg is beating up two guys at the same time. And it Bill Goldberg shouldn't be on television in 2021, so, now 2022. <clears throat> A different conversation for a post show yeah. that uh, is a show that featured Goldberg, which neither of these shows today, thankfully, featured Bill Goldberg. <laughs> so, so moving on from that, um, we get happy talk with Happy Corbin. So, okay, I said the show was going downhill. Happy talk was not a high spot at all, but I've got to say, Matt that Moss that you're was a great accident. He does a great Scottish accent. He does a great imitation of Drew McIntyre. I was like, <laughs> all right. 
we, we discussed this last time. You know I'm a uh, Riddick Moss guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I had him on my scorecard. Have I, I ever him, told you? Uh, I want him to win so bad. Have I ever told you what uh, his name in Jacksonville is? Oh, so you told me about that last time. Yeah, yeah, When yeah, he yeah. first came in. Yeah. He uh, looked like A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell. And this is like six or seven years ago. So we would call him A.C. Yeah, Slater. And yeah, we would chant A.C. Slater to the point where one one month he was working with uh, Enzo and Cass. Yep. And Cass starts dropping Saved by the Bell references <laughs> as a way to get under his skin. Because in his in that town he was known as AC Slater and the boys ran with it. Dude, I yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. But uh, so I mean back back to um I mean back to the pay-per-view, back to day one, he actually looked really good. They booked him really good against Drew McIntyre. He looked strong. He looked really good. I know good. that people were questioning why that match got so much time. And I think it would have been something like AEW did last year with QT Marshall and Big Show, where it was a nice three-minute spot to get a guy on the card. Yeah. But when once the COVID stuff happened, they needed to fill out the card, and they they just extended matches. Yeah. But we complain that Ooh. guys don't get TV time, and then we go, why is this getting time? You know what Riddick Moss did? He took a match. He took – the extra time he was given and he took and he took and he made ample opportunity out of that opportunity and that's exactly what you're supposed to do maybe you weren't planned to get 15 minutes but you know what you got 15 minutes you ball out for 15 minutes and maybe they notice you for the next time you take that extra 10 you take that extra five you let yourself shine and he did a great job of that and that's exactly um, what you're supposed to do. And I'm glad yeah. I got like Riddick Moss or Mad Cat Moss. I got to go with the shoot him. And so I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, I'm glad he got WWE, that opportunity. And in WWE, people like to see that you have range. So yeah. him doing the Scottish accent really good tonight and all that and being wacky and madcap and all that. Um, I, I mean, he's shown a whole lot of range. So he's doing fine. He's got good luck. He's a and, decent um, wrestler. He's not a great wrestler, but he's a decent wrestler, and he can yeah. put on a good match. He's got a good look, and now you can see that he's entertaining, which I knew that from years of watching him on house shows. Yeah. But a casual fan does not know that. And he's also not being heavily assisted by um, by, by Baron Corbin. He's kind of like doing a lot of these things on his own. <clears throat> and Which is important. Really well. Yeah, which is really important. Um, so then... Um, after the the whole in ring segment, um, we have Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss taking on the Viking Raiders, um, which, which was so. Speaking of Naomi and Natalia, we have the Viking Raiders, and War Machines were my dude. So many name changes. Um, after they experience after after they did their series of contests with um the street profits last year year before last that's been it i mean they've just been hey we need a tag team to come out all right come out that was a name template galore yeah just come out slap your chest and i mean the street profits the street profits viking raiders thing gave me so many beef to that's one of my favorite things i've ever done 
dude, that was just, yeah, that, talking about things that dragged on too long. Well, yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> so, um, funny enough, as we talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago, or last week, Madcap Moss hit his finisher called The Punchline. <laughs> and we were like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if they caught us finish and moved the punchline? Now, now it's called the punchline. And I was like, <laughs> that's great. Like, oh, are you kidding me? But hey, my dude won. He, he, he won one TV match too late. But yeah, he still won. So I'm happy about that. Um, going, to, going into the men's rumble, we got a video package showing how um, Ricochet <laughs> busted up. Um, Ridge Holland's nose. Um, Sheamus went for the assisted 450 splash and Ricochet's foot and knee just like crushed his nose and he was all bloody. So to get a little bit of revenge, Sheamus announces he's entering the Rumble. So what's going to be Why wouldn't Sheamus want to do that anyway? Uh, it just gives him a reason. Sheamus' character knows exactly how valuable the Rumble is. He won a world title after winning the Rumble. Correct. But, uh, but just for that, I'm entering the Rumble. So it's going to be Sheamus, Rey Mysterio, Dominic, Austin Theory, the Street Profits, and Johnny Knoxville. Oh, they're going to do the Theory Knoxville spot in the match. Yeah, they've got to. Because that's a great spot. I can't be the only one who thought of it. You know, if we could get like the giant spring-loaded hand, like to either throw Johnny Knoxville in the ring and knock him out of it, that'd be great. You know what I mentioned on Twitter earlier? And you know why I'm okay with Johnny Knoxville? Because I sent out a a tweet earlier today. I don't know if you saw it. That one week ago today marked the 15th anniversary of the New Year's Day 2007 episode of Raw. And on that episode, do you remember who defeated John Cena? Was it um, Kevin Federline? It was. And you know what? I've seen worse celebrity wrestlers than Johnny Knoxville. Dude, so I was going to say, so Federline, um, Knoxville is above Federline. And definitely, I was five years old when Kevin Federline came in. That was the first time I remember watching the project and going, This is so stupid. Horrible. <clears throat> no, Mondo, not the Samoan bulldozer. Britney Spears' ex, Kevin Federline, the other bulldozer. <laughs> so, in the main event, uh, we got a tag team match for the WWE tag team titles. And um, to quote the franchise, for the 59,248th time, we've got the Usos versus the New Day. Hold on, before we leave the Rumble. Yeah. Just a reminder that Curtis Axel is still actively in the Rumble. (laughs) Is he? I thought he was He was never eliminated in 2014. I thought he got eliminated the next year or the year after that. Damn. Shane, double check on that. <laughs> double check the status of Curtis, Curtis Axel, the Rumble. Um, 
So the, the, the tag team match between the Usos and the New Day is a no disqualification. Uh, you got to win by pinfall submission, but it has to happen in the ring. Did you see what uh, Macaulay Culkin of My Girl fame I, said today? I, I, I don't know why that had any relevance whatsoever. None whatsoever. So, I mean, just so, because of Macaulay Culkin, I mean, just who cares? Did, but did you see what he said? Yes. He's like, again? Like, no, I agree with this point, is I guess why, why I was bringing no, it up. I get it. I mean, because anybody. I never want to see the Usos and New Day again. And I was saying this at day one. Like, it's going to be a solid match, at worst, a solid match every time. But do you know how many times I'm going to care about that match? Never again. You know what's funny? Um, the New Day versus the Usos, the number of times they've shown this match, it's kind of like somebody in the back thinks that they're running weekly house shows. And they're like, well, no one in the next town is going to remember. And it's like, no, dude, it's on TV. And it's been on TV every single time. <laughs> like, I'm sure I'm positive. It's been on TV every single time. And they just Kofi Kingston and Jay Uso have been in the same match a total of 193 times since 2010. Yeah, I believe it completely. I mean, Kofi even took the double super kick and the the one D, the one D. I, I don't like table. that name at all. It should be the two D because if you spell out three D, Dudley <coughs> Death Drop. You take out the Dudley, but they're still doing the death drop. So, therefore, it's 2Ds. The, the Ood. The Ood. The Uso death drop. Yeah. So, uh, that happened. There, so, uh, let me... As a wrestling fan... It was a me, fine match, guys, but it was just really, something we've seen. All right, here's something as a wrestling fan that has always killed me. All right, somehow, some way. The New Day found a suit of armor underneath the ring. And <laughs> King Woods puts on a helmet and Kofi puts on the breastplate. But then Kofi takes off the breastplate to actually waffle one of the Usos with it. Um, Xavier Woods has on the helmet and takes a super kick and no sells it because the helmet protected him. Why would you then take the helmet off? Okay, so I'm going to go on a weird story here. So when I was like eight or nine, my dad and I went to a minor league baseball game. I was really hoping you were going to say Shawnee's in Ackworth, Georgia, but okay. Afterwards, and the team named the, – this is the Jumbo Shrimp. It wasn't the Jumbo Shrimp at the time, but just to add that to the story. Uh, the Jacksonville um, – so afterwards, it was a – they were doing a small wrestling show and they brought in like local independent people. Okay. They brought, so they had, it was on the back of a rectangle truck was the ring. And they brought in these two midgets for midget wrestling. Okay. So they're doing a hardcore match. And so they bring out, they bring out a trash can. So, he puts the trash can over the other midget. It, hit, it swings the baseball bat, hits him, 
Okay. Afterwards, he throws the bat in the trash can. <laughs> yeah, that's wrestling for you. <laughs> you just that, threw the bat away and then go back to it. That That's like hitting somebody with a chair and then putting the chair down. You know, and um, you know, and to all the viewers of the Pro Wrestling Roundtable uh, podcast, uh, the Roundtable Pro Wrestling podcast, they are officially called little people, not the M word. I'm sorry, Dude, I need to be more politically it, correct. I'm sorry. So it was, it was crazy because he puts the helmet on, he no sells a super kick, he headbutts him, and I was like, all right, and then he takes it off, and I'm like. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, this is wrestling. I forgot. Sometimes, yeah. Vince, 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 probably called the, Vince probably called the referee. He was like, they can't see his face, pal. Have him take the helmet off. They can't tell who he is. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, so that is how, uh, well, that's how the match partially developed. But, uh, yeah, Kofi ended up taking the L. Because um, I think the protective was they're probably building him for. Yeah, he's got to be going for either the IC title or something. I Maybe think he's going to be in the chamber. Up. That'd be great. That'd be great for him. Yeah, I think he could do some really unique stuff in the chamber because a match like the chamber, you struggle to get new spots, but you yeah. put somebody creative like Xavier Woods in there. I think you could get some new spots. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that could work out. All right, so let's hop on over to AEW Rampage. Finally, uh, a, the good this stuff. Was a, this was a tape show that was uh, shot in Newark, New Jersey, and the show starts off with Adam Cole versus Jake Atlas. Um, we kind of briefly talked about this. Adam Cole, over as over can be, over as always. Um, very good, solid technical match here. I mean, these two guys were really going yeah. at it. It was a fun match. My only issue was a bit with the editing, which was a little choppy at times. Yeah. And specifically in the beginning of the match. Correct. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit because AEW does a lot of tape stuff. Elevation, yeah. dark. I've been to multiple like dark universal tapings. I've been to a lot of dark tapings and dailies. So I can usually tell you <clears throat> what's edited out and what's kept in. <sighs> Yeah, but I usually when watching it, if I clear my head of what I've seen, I don't notice the edits, even though yeah. I know that they're in the back of my mind because I was, uh, was there live. This match, I noticed the edits and I wasn't even there, so I don't know what they did differently when editing this show, but it didn't look nearly as crisp or concise as mm. usual to me. And. And nothing that stood out. An, an otherwise really good match. Yeah. So, dude, Jake Atlas really showed out here. I mean, so the guy got hired by AEW after his tryout match on um, AEW Dark. Um, yes. He got signed. He's all elite. And then he has this match on Rampage. Um, I mean, he just hit some really sick moves. He did, like, this flying drop kick through the ropes. Um Everything, but the psychology of how he brought the spots together with Cole was also yeah. really good. It was really good. It, the 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 moves transitioned very fluidly and very smooth. Yeah, um, in a way that made sense within the context of the story. Yeah, and he hit a really sick Rana. I mean, he just 
he hit some really nice, just smooth, crisp looking moves. Yeah. Which was really surprising why when he went, when he jumped off the ropes to go for the springboard and he tweaked his knee and he blew it out entirely. He's gone. He's out for a bit. Totally freak move or totally freak accident. Um, where Sid, Adam man. Cole, where Adam Cole just went and put on a knee bar for a submission, you know, that ended quick. Yeah. Oh, he tapped out real quick. He was just like, yeah, it was very Sid like to me. Yeah. Not as nasty, not close to as nasty, but so for those of you who missed it, we now have Sid and now we have Ray Phoenix. Oh, yeah, Wednesday night. Do you know what that reminded me of? And I'm going back to because the I've I've only ever seen an arm snap like that one other time. I'm going to a deep cut baseball reference here. Hmm. 1999 Devil Rays second season, their first overall pick in the expansion draft of '98 was okay. pitching against the Texas Rangers. He he delivered the pitch and. He just laid on the ground screaming because his arm snapped just like that. Just like Ray Phoenix. It dislocated? No, he his actually snapped. Like Ray from Phoenix a pitch? from a pitch. Uh let me I did a piece a couple of years ago on it. Um That's crazy. I'll, That's I'll, I'll tell you about it after the show because we don't want to waste time on that. Yeah. But yeah, That's what it reminded me of in the angle that I saw of his arm. Mm-hmm. Ray Phoenix, from the word of it, was a lot more fortunate with his injury than Tony Saunders was. But oh, good. it's what it reminded me of. And it's immediately one of the nastiest injuries I've ever seen. Yeah. This was – so when, when Ray Phoenix injured his arm on Dynamite, the cameraman was in – perfect position just like the cameraman was a perfect position for Sid and when you saw Ray go down and his arm go back the cameraman stayed on him and Ray was like pointing to his arm like yeah <laughs> he was like it's just fucked up I need some help that would have been edited if it was if it were a tape to show they would have done the different angle yeah but, well they kept on re- they kept on doing the replay from um a couple that was weird to me too yeah, and when they showed it from the back, you see how far back his arm bent. And you're like, eh, arm's not supposed to bend like that. Yeah. So, so um, the the next segment was um, Andrade had an interview with Tony Giovanni. We haven't seen Andrade in a while. Um, I know. And, and he's out here talking about Darby Allen and Sting for some reason. So, yeah, he asked sure. why Darby works for Sting. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Yeah, it was a, you know, it was a Jericho spilling coffee on Kane kind of thing. Oh, that, that was a, you know what? That that program culminated in Jericho knocking over coffee barrels on him, on Kane to keep him down during a last man standing match. Yeah. That was a great payoff, and I will not hear that program slander. <laughs> hey, dude, I got to say, for reasons to have a match, it's ridiculous, but for creativity, eh, I can go with it. Yeah, their their first match was Survivor Series that year, uh, yeah. and um, that was a fun match too. That wasn't the match I was referencing, but that was also a fun match. Um, but um, 
Oh, so Darby, so, Darby Andrade is going to be a fun match. That's a match we haven't seen before. It'll it'll keep uh, Darby busy until he wants to challenge for the TNT challenge championship. Or I don't think you need to go back to Darby Cody again. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I think that Darby's going to go after the title when NJF beats Adam Page. I think that's going to be a revolution. So I expect Darby to move up the card. Uh, right, right after a revolution. The pillars, baby. Um, why is you can Cody, revisit the... Why is Cody not medically cleared? I have no idea. Uh, let me look real quick. Okay. I know. Um, because as of right now, Sammy is going to battle Dustin Rhodes for the interim TNT title. I know he was saying that... Uh, Table spot was the dumbest spot he's ever done, but he's wrestled multiple times since then. And so, uh, you mean I the table spot where Brandy set the table on fire? Uh, oh, I, he's he won the championship after that. So, so um, huh. maybe you heard him say, I don't, the, no I don't see no. anything. Um, you know what? I wonder. I wonder if he's, he's actually hurt because if he's, he's been leaning into the heel stuff, he's being so heel. maybe he's trying to use that as, as an excuse <clears throat> to get out of. That'd be great facing he's Sammy right now. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I didn't lose the title because like my brother lost it, not me. Yeah. So after Andrade uh, talks about Sting and and uh, um, Darby Allen working for him, which was really funny. Um, we get our man Hook versus Aaron Solo with QT Marshall. And Hook looked really good. He looked really solid. Uh, he hits a They've really good great... Go ahead. They've, they've done a good job of making him look strong. That's for absolutely sure. Um They've done a great job picking Hook's first opponents because yeah. the first match with Fuego, he Hook looked like a prodigy. He's looked like a prodigy all three matches, but he's he, way the way Fuego bumped for him, the way Fuego sold for him, made him look like the goat. And then Bear Bronson, but bumped great for Hook. My, there were small things Aaron Solo did that helped legitimize the aura of Hook for me. Like when Hook hit him with that overhead suplex, Aaron Solo was kind of reaching, like trying to escape yeah, frantically, which yep. made it seem like, oh, he's scared that Hook's about to throw him. Yep. And it, it did a lot to put Hook over. And I think Aaron Solo is... Our solo did a great job with that. Um, <coughs> Hook's done a great job in general with small things such as his character. Like, yep. uh, I love how he turns his back to his opponents, whereas Taz would right. stare them down. He turns his back to them. Um, Hook's done a great job keeping everything physical in the ring. He's physical, no wasted movement. He doesn't toy with his opponent. He's just a killer with Correct. an intent to kill. And everything he does, his everything looks crisp. His grips always look tight on the submission. He looks like he's actually choking the guy out. Yeah. He's 
He's been really good, and it's unbelievable, and it's remarkable that he's only three matches in. Like, that is a special talent, and he's only going to improve. Yeah, so what's next for Hook is a match that goes a full 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and somebody who can match him submission move to submission move, um, technical move, suplex to suplex. You know, he's got to get in there with a Daniel Bryan. Hell, he's got to get in there with a Sam Guevara. He's got to get in there with somebody who can actually take him to the limit and show um, exactly that he's got the endurance, that he's actually got the ability um, to to go the distance in these matches and not just come in and effectively effectively squash people. I mean, hell, um, have him go fight Wardlow. Who has Team Taz been working with lately? Because I know Starks is kind of hurt, so they've not. Well, Starks really just said hurt. that at Battle of the Belts, he said that uh, it was an insult that the FTW title was not up for grabs. So he said he's the Oh, yeah, so he's wrestling Matt Seidel. Yeah, so. Matt Seidel is the guy you could put him with for 10 minutes yeah. and kind so, of have that. And without then, having to have somebody legitimate lose to keep Hook undefeated. And so like you were saying, Ricky Starks has been kind of quiet lately. And so he just like fucking popped up on TV today. And he wants to defend the FTW championship against Matt Seidel. So there we go. So that could be another direction. Oh, you but, know what the payoff of this is? Oh, yeah. You know what the payoff is going to be? Hook becoming your FTW champion. Jessica Hook at a big event is going 10 to 15 minutes with uh, Dante <clears throat> Yeah. He's going at FTW story. Yeah. And that's going to be a fun match. That should be great. So, um, the last match on the card that we had was um, a women's tag team match, which is Ruby Soho and Rio versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Um <clears throat> I like the seeds they planted in this with Hater and Britt Baker. Oh yeah, so like, Hater, I mentioned this on Hater. I mentioned um, this on Monday to, to that I love that uh, everybody. And... Go ahead. Oh, we got a third man. Oh, maybe not. <clears throat> who's the third man? So, <laughs> who's it's, it's it's the fourth Uso. It's Mabel. It's Mabel. Mabel's the third man. <laughs> so um, have you ever heard that? Yeah, that, I uh, heard that. Eric that, Bishop. That, that, had to be one of the funniest, that had to be one of the funniest rumors I ever heard. Like, can you imagine the air that would have got sucked out the room? If it, if it was like, who could it be? It's Mabel. And of course, they wouldn't have called him Mabel. They would have called him something else. And everyone would have been like, oh, okay. Wah, wah. The NWO would not be, there would have been no Monday Night Wars. That, ah, well, whatever. Would have, could have, should have. No, glad didn't, should have, could have, would have. <clears throat> so anyway, uh yeah, Rebel's out here, you know, doing her uh 
doing her assistant bit with Dr. Britt Baker. So she drags out Ruby Soho to the floor. Rio has is awesome. Oh, dude, she's I great. love what she adds to the Britt Baker would not be successful on AEW if Rebel didn't exist. She Correct. wasn't successful before Rebel. The dimension that Rebel added to her character is why she became a success. I think we yeah. should give Rebel more credit for that persona. Oh, well, he, you know what's going to happen at some point. I mean, at some point, Rebel's going to... They're going to blow that off. off yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the same way that we're going to get Wardlow and MJF. I mean, something's going to happen. Something's going to blow up there. But they kind of oh. set those seeds here with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Oh, they definitely did. Well, so you know what? If you're if your champion loses, and your champion loses to um, a former champion and and a credible rival, she's going to need somebody to blame. It can't be her fault. Well, and and um, Jamie Hayter is the one who got pinned. She's the one who got rolled up, so she lost it yeah. for the team. So you know, of course, she's the one who's going to get blamed. And um, she's going to have to pay the price, you know, some point down the line, because you know the doctor does not. So one of my least favorite, one of my least favorite tropes in wrestling, is when uh, the champion gets beat, and that's in non-title matches. That's one thing AEW's kind of steered away from. They've only done that like three or four times, yeah, and and two and a half years, but. Even here, the champion gets beat, but the champion does not get pinned. Which, and then they continued the Britt Baker's never beaten Riho story heading into tomorrow, but Britt Baker still has her heat because she didn't get beat tonight. But she didn't get beat. Jamie Hayter got beat. Correct. So it's, uh, it's, they're keeping stats. And so if uh, wins and losses matter, then this goes down as a loss for Britt Baker as a team, but it doesn't count against her as an individual. Because I want to say that um, uh, somebody else earlier in the show was talking about their stats, and they said that um, they had won X number of matches as an individual and only had like one loss, you know, as part of a tag team or in a tag team match. So, I mean, they are keeping track of those things. Yeah. So singles versus tag team uh, versus trios or whatever. You know my favorite thing about this match? Yeah. I've been critical of Riho said that she doesn't always work snug. And I think a lot of it is because of how small she is. Naturally, it's harder to make it look impactful. This the bit where she did the hot tag with Jamie Hader, all yeah. of it looked stiff, all of it looked crisp, all of it looked really good. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of that. But the drop toe hold specifically in that sequence, yep. the camera angle where it was like Jamie Hader coming at the camera was yep. really cool. And I want them to keep that because that was a nice uh, <clears throat> angle change. I thought that looked yeah. good and I thought it made the spot look better. Yeah, I mean, definitely if you can, if you can get your cameraman to catch the um, – Catch what the what the wrestlers do the do the best, and for the I mean so the, so especially since we went to four K and now an eight eight K, it is so easy to see when someone's foot is like this far from somebody's face and they miss. You know, like it's so easy to see yeah. just how far off they were, and how much of a whiff it was versus making any contact. <clears throat> so if you can get the camera at the right angle to make it look like 
there was even incidental contact or like it was full on contact. I mean, that's what your that's what your whole production team is for. They're, I mean, they're they're there to make the performers look even better. So more power to them for getting it right. And, and I think that's a key difference between AEW and WWE. Taking taking booking philosophies aside, every time Kevin Dunn does twenty different camera cuts into a ten second span, <laughs> it's obvious that those punches miss or they're pulled. Correct. Because of the amount of camera cuts, and you don't follow the uh, the um, flow of what the performer's trying to do, not only does it give you a headache and give you an aneurysm if you, if depending on your health, but it doesn't look good in terms of right. It's 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 like uh, for. I'm going to a philosophy on camera later because I have a whole, it's a whole 30 minute uh, breakdown of uh, old Bruce Lee movies and how they shot. And that's, oh, you know, and, and nobody have, has time to right now. At they had to have him slow down because he was too fast. <clears throat> they didn't have high enough speed film to catch that guy moving. Yeah. Um. By the way, I was wrong. Um, that was not the last match. We had one final match. Um, and this is actually, I believe, was Overflow from Dynamite, where we had 2.0 and Daniel Gar- Danny Garcia versus Eddie Kingston and Proud Pride and Powerful. Proud and Powerful. Um, so, you know what I liked about this that, match? That um, Chris Jericho took a sweet-ass time coming out. As it's usual. on commentary, right? So he was already there. He was already yeah, out already there. there. Yeah, yeah. He just didn't come down, which which sets up a ma- a story between him and Eddie Kingston, and probably Pride and uh, Santana Ortiz later on. Which more stories for Santana Ortiz? <sighs> They're a top five tag team in the business right now, and they mm-hmm. deserve to be presented as <clears throat> such. But what I really liked about this match was when Mark Henry was doing the. I guess we've had enough talk, Stick. Ah, we've had enough talk. Mark Henry likes saying that. Um, they are. They were already fighting. Like he's like, "Looks like the fight's already started." Too many times, I'm supposed to believe they hate each other, and they're just standing there talking. But they, these six guys started the fight mid-discussion because they couldn't so, wait, and I thought that was yeah. a nice touch to the street fight. So one, it was Eddie Kingston. That guy's like always. I think every time he's backstage, yep. he's trying to start a fight with somebody. <clears throat> and so they just started beating the crap out of each other while the cameras were running, while they're doing the interview segment. And um, Santana Ortiz was just—I mean—they were just putting the boots uh, to two point oh. And then um, <laughs> they put the the trash can on Garcia's head, which was hilarious. Um, and then uh, Kingston tossed Garcia to the floor, and Ortiz suplexed. Um, suplex Lee onto the floor, and I mean it was just a it was just a huge schmoz, and they finally made their way to the ring. And um, um, two point are no, the be- are some of the best guys still, in the business in terms of making guys look good. By the way, yeah, and as people call them, the bulk and skull of uh, of of AEW. Um, but um, man. 
Eddie Kingston hit this sweet-ass T-bone suplex on Garcia. I mean, for a guy who most of the time does a lot of brawling, to see him just bust out just a classic suplex, um, you know, or a DDT or some, just like a classic wrestling move every now and then is just really great. Something not involved with baseball bat. Eddie's always giving me a more 90s All Japan vibe than anything else. Um, so, uh, he has a variety of suplexes in his arsenal because that's very, especially some more old school Japanese yeah. style suplexes, but he busts them out when they matter. Now, was this a no DQ match? It had to have been because 2.0, um, I'm sorry, I missed that. I said, was, this that? A no, uh, was this a no DQ match? Because, um. Garcia hit Kingston with the bell and still went for a three count. I'm sure the ref saw that. Well, they're using pairs too, so I guess it doesn't matter. So hardcore match, if you will. I thought it was booked as a street fight. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Um, it was a street fight. It was a street fight. So... Uh, proud and powerful. Um, they got the pinfall. Uh, they got the they got the pin, and um, which I hope they get pushed next because I want them to be the ones to defeat Jurassic Express. Dude, that that tag team match win was just a little bit soured by the injury, and you could tell the lucha. Yeah, otherwise a very fun match. Yeah, a real fun match. Actually, that choke slam through the table was a sweet spot. Like if if it if the injury hadn't happened, that would have been that would look totally sweet. It was um, a freak accident Luke, because yeah, freak accident. Phoenix Luke landed how you were supposed to land, and his arm still broke. Right. Still happened. I mean, I I don't really blame either of those guys. It's freak accident. Luchasaurus looked like he felt like shit, and you could kind of see um, Christian telling them, "Hey, dude, smile for the camera." You know, get your arm up, smile for the camera. You know, the show goes yeah. on. We'll take care of this in the back. Um, but so, yeah, so, um, you know, the heels are up here taping Eddie Kings into the ropes. And here comes Jericho taking a sweet-ass time getting to the ring. So, once again. And he's on commentary, so it's not like he wasn't watching. Dude, once again, like I said. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Jericho – Jericho and Kingston should have some problems at some point soon. But that's going to be a fun program. Like, imagine those promos. The promos will be great. I, I, the match won't. I don't have high expectations. I'd rather watch Eddie Kingston beat up on somebody else. I mean, it was great watching him fight with CM Punk. Um, It would be great to watch him fight with John Moxley. Um, It would be great to watch him fight with. Um, <laughs> be great to watch him beat the crap out of Dan Lambert. Um, it'd be you know, there's plenty of other guys that he could be beaten up on. Even Dustin Rhodes, he could be he could beat the crap out of him. But um, yeah, Jericho just uh, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Um, um, uh, what's his name? Double J. Jeff Jarrett made a surprise return to the ring at GCW. At GCW, and it looks like him and Chris Jericho are shopping at the same store. 
because uh, they're wearing the Okay, the but I'm ready for <laughs> Effie versus Jeff Jarrett. <clears throat> I mean, it's Jeff Effie's Jarrett. Effie's my you know? guy. Anything big time for Effie, I'm happy with. If Jeff Jarrett's not hitting, if as long as he's hitting you with the guitar, I'm fine with it. Effie took that, that guitar shot like a champ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that is how the show closed. Um, tomorrow we have that. Yeah, we're, we're, and we're, we're reaching 90 minutes. We should probably wrap this up in a second or two. Yeah. So we've got one minute and 33 seconds. So <clears throat> are you looking forward to Battle of the Belts? I am. I cannot watch live, unfortunately, but I will def- which is why I'm not going to come on tomorrow. But I will be watching the moment I get home. All right. And I just want to give a big shout out to our producer tonight, Bad Blood, who just joined us apparently. The truth, yeah, man. I had to jump um, on. You guys did a good job. I was watching thank you. the wings. You know, uh, great show tonight. Sorry I couldn't be there. You know, obligations. Then it comes first. Yes, sir. Yes, but uh, I want you guys to know that tomorrow night, Battle of the Belts. Your boy, the franchise. Your boy, the. Uh, okay. Streamyard did not want to hear him cut a promo. <laughs> Streamyard said, "Didn't have any time here." They said, nah, we good. Your boy, Chemical Julian. Your boy, the franchise. We'll be live tomorrow. Tune in. 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Watch us do some crazy shit. Watch us watch the one-hour edition of AEW Presents Battle of the Belt. With that being said, for your boy, the franchise, Chemical Julian, and that dude right there. The Jameis. We're going to say thank you very much for joining us. Peace out, ladies and gentlemen. Hey.